Welcome back. Welcome in. Good Friday to you. I'm Mike Casaza at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. No football game this weekend. No excuse for myself and my guest, Chris Anderson. Chris, there's someone knocking at your door. Are you worried about who's over there? If they're under 15 and uh, live in my neighborhood selling something, I'm terrified. Absolutely terrified. Uh, They've gotten me again. They know I'm a sucker. They just keep coming back. No matter what it is. Can we get some context? Can we get some context? Because kids in my neighborhood that knock on my door are usually lost and under the influence of something. (laughs) Because I live (laughs) in a college town with college kids not too far from me. Um, I'm not familiar with the exploits of Girl Scouts or Wilderness Girls or whomever it may be or a scholastic I don't what what this latest grift is. Please fill me in. I need to live on your side of the line. So, so it all it all started. What was this guy? Was this a year or two, two ago? One afternoon, it was something was going on, and we were having a party, like a day party, with some adult friends, no kids, and all of a sudden we got a knock at the door, um, and it was my neighbor and one of her friends, both about twelve, maybe ten. And they were selling Girl Scout cookies. And I may have been in a state that made me a little more gullible than usual and agreed to cookies, several boxes, uh, handed them a $20 bill. And that was it. Um, I don't know, a couple months passed. And then my wife said, where are those Girl Scout cookies? Everybody at my at my work has already gotten theirs. And their friends have gotten theirs and their kids have already delivered them and so on and so forth. And I went searching for them and I don't think I got, I called the Girl Scout troop. They had no record of me on their list. Uh, Told me that there was no reason I should have given them money beforehand. You don't pay until you get to cookies. And so it went about five months and I I solicited uh, advice from the board for them to tell me how I should handle this. Because obviously as a, grown 30 something year old man you don't want to be accosting 10 year old girls in the street um asking them for cookies or money and so it was a delicate situation eventually it got resolved i saw the neighbor made casual mention of it uh she pointed the finger at her friend and uh a few days later i showed up back home from the gym and found a bag of cookies at my door so it it did get resolved but they were back selling books yesterday. Um, yeah, it kind of freaked me out. I didn't know what to what to do, if I should just tell them to get out of there, tell them I remembered the cookies in no way. Um, but I'm still out another $20 because I sure, I sure bought some more, some more books. But this time, I'm waiting till the books are in hand before I hand over my cash. So, so at wait, least I got you, that going. You said you talked to your neighbor, and I'm thinking in my head that you talked to your neighbor as in, like the girl's mom, but you actually sought out the twelve-year-old. No, so she. I, I did not seek her out. She she came over to talk to my kids. I have kids that are that are younger than her, and she likes to come over and offer to babysit. Although I'm not down with the ten-year-old babysitting of five and uh, six and a four-year-old, but she was. Uh, she likes to come over and and play and talk to them, and and I just made casual mention of uh, those Girl Scout cookies from your friend and. And hey, it got taken care of without without incident, so that was good. Can we do a quick power ranking? <laughs> sure. Like I'm you. So twenty bucks, you bought four boxes, right? Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would go if I could only have one. So let's go one through four here. I would go Samoa, Tagalong, Thin Mint. What year was this? This is two years ago? Yeah, either last year or two, no, yeah, two years ago. Were the toffee cookies in then? I can't remember if they're new or old. Or to be uh, honest. Anyways, toffee be my four. We didn't get them, so I don't think so. Samoa's um, tagging along Thin Mint Toffee. Go. Okay, Samoa's one, period. Absolutely. That's not... I'm not even going to debate that with anybody. Um, we did. We got two boxes of Samoas and two boxes of the s'mores, the chocolate oh. covered s'more ones. That was the Samoas for me and my wife. The s'mores for the kids. Okay, but where do you stand on dosy dos? Here's the thing. I, I, I'm not a big peanut butter guy, and now you're confusing me. I have to look them up. Did you know they got rid of all those names? They're not called Samoas anymore. I was wondering, it's 2020. Are we not allowed to do that? Yeah, I don't think we're allowed to do that because the box, it's, they're called Caramel Delights um, was what it said on there. I mean, obviously, anybody over the age of 10 probably calls them Samoas, but um, I'm, I'm, having to, I'm having to pull up the list to make sure I'm, I'm remembering which one's which because I don't even know if they're called – I can't even remember if they were called Dosey Dose. I think they changed a lot, like calling them something different. Uh, but I'm not a big peanut butter guy. Oh man, really? Not. I think I think tagalongs are good just because I like peanut butter and chocolate together a little bit. But straight peanut butter with on, on like the shortbread or whatever it is the cookies made out of that that's too dry for me. I can't do it. I don't know what the lemon one is. I've been told the lemon one's good. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but like I certainly have an affinity for every now and then like the frozen Samoa or Thin Mint. I don't know what it is. It's like a a, a delicacy, I guess. And then I don't know. Tagalongs are always good if I ever find them. You can find like the generics now in stores too. It's kind of like Lost the Luster. So, point being, Chris, you could have called an Audible and not harassed a twelve-year-old and just gone <laughs> to like Kroger or Aldi or something like that and found a facsimile. Um, let's let's get back on track. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people here are very excited about the Girl Scout cookie conversation. But again, we don't have too much to fill our time. We do have Oklahoma State Tulsa relevant for West Virginia because West Virginia travels to Oklahoma State. Highly anticipated reunion with Josh Sills. And then not a whole lot else going on uh, relevant to West Virginia. Unless you want to keep tracking Eastern Kentucky and what they're doing. I don't even think they play, but point being, not a whole lot going on. A start and stop, start of the season. But along those lines, stop the seasons, restarting for the Big Ten. Maybe the Pac-12, Mountain West, and MAC 2. I would think the Pac-12 is on the way. I'd be curious about the smaller conferences, but... Nothing made sense before. Nothing makes sense now. There's probably pretty transparent reasons why this has happened. Um, it just seems like poor leaders made poor decisions and then got better information and made a better decision here. But um, are you surprised that the Big Ten is going to ramp back up as quickly as they are? It, I mean, two days ago, they were talking about October 10th or 17th. looks like even a week later than that. But that's just a month away. Some of these schools aren't even practicing right now. Players aren't on campus. Seems ambitious. I know they want to play, but... Um, I'm sort of surprised that they reversed trend as quickly as they did. I'm not surprised that they're back in the field. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that they're going to start as soon as they say they are. First off, how extremely relevant was that article that you did early in the summer about how much time does a team need to prepare for the season? Is it, you know, I can't remember what time frames you gave, but like, you know, was it two weeks, two months or a month, two months, three months, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we are. And we're having to do it all over again. I, but I think, 
one month is fine because it's not like they haven't been doing anything. They started preseason practice and workouts before they stopped, which is kind of sucks for them, I guess. But then they they didn't completely stop. They have still been doing some workouts. They've been more limited than the teams that have been playing, but they've been doing some workouts, some team meetings, some football stuff. So they're not starting cold. They're they're kind of a little bit behind, but not that much. So I I think a month is is plenty of time to kind of get in the groove and get ready to uh, hit and practice full pads and get going. So I, I think it's fine. I would say most of them are probably like that. I know Wisconsin isn't practicing. They shut everything down. Um, and Michigan State had shut things down for a while. I'm sure there's others I'm not thinking of here. Um, I'm, I'm also interested in this, too. Players would have opted out coming back. We've already seen the cornerback. Cornerback? Wade from Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, Rond- Rondell Moore on the mm-hmm. fence right now, it seems like, too. If you're a coach, do you take them back? Or do you say, sorry, you're out? And you kind of go with who you had. I can't imagine you're going to turn away talent like that. But I can also yeah. see coaches saying, wait a minute, how do I know that, you know, if we get paused for two weeks in the middle of this, that you're not going to run away again? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the answer is, are you taking Sean Wade back or Rondale Moore back? Yes. The answer is yes. Definitively yes. I'm not sure um, about the pausing thing. That's obviously tough. I think you're going to have to push for a commitment from them. I don't know how. It's going to be depending on how well you know the kid, how how well your relationship is, and if you can trust them to stick to their word. Um, obviously, it was a tough situation the first time around, but I think you'd sit down with them and say, "Hey, we'd love to have you back, but if you're in, you're in." Okay, you can you know you can be out the day after our quote unquote bowl game or whenever the Big Ten does that. Um, well, let me ask you about this in a second. But whenever the Big Ten does their eighth place first eighth place thing, um, how do you feel about that? Love that, that, you know, for those who don't know, the Big Ten is doing eight games and then plus one. And that plus one is, you know, the Big Ten championship, which is going to be the top team from both divisions playing each other. And then I think the first report I saw said, yeah, and then two is going to play two. And I'm like, oh, OK, let's see who finishes in third. That's that's whatever. I'm OK with that. And then it was three versus three, four versus four, five versus five, all the way down to eight versus eight. How exciting. How many players will opt out of the Rutgers. Um, who's going to end up in dead last on the other side of the I'm not even sure who's going to end up. Let me see. Who, who's going to end up with a, like, who, how many are going to just completely opt out of that game right there? Uh, quite a few. I love the idea. Anything that's different and that gives me a little bit more football is fun. Um, some of those, some of those big 10 games that are kind of trashy are oddly entertaining too. Like big 10 kind of gets a bad rap for being like, late 80s early 90s still sometimes there's some pretty exciting offenses there too so i'm okay with some of this and i think that like the the on par poorness of some of those teams at that point might be fun i have no interest in watching Rutgers or northwestern for that matter but sometimes those teams can get frisky and it's entertaining but i just think it's a cool concept and it gets everybody an extra game and i'll i'll give these dopes the benefit of the doubt and say that they are kind of interested in kind of milking as much out of this as I can for the players. Like, hey, you're not going to have a 12-game season. Let's get you an extra one that's completely meaningless. And if guys want to play, they want to play. If they don't, they don't. I just think it's cool. Like, I, stuff that's a little bit slanted from the normal view that we often get of sports and, and the, the, the lens we view it through. If it's different, I like it. I think it's kind of fun. My question to you now, if you're other conferences, would you borrow this idea? Maybe it gives you another way to get a team that's um, 
five and seven on championship week, uh, another win. I guess that wouldn't work. Um, they have 13 games, but could you, could you find a way to build this into this season here? Like big 10 gave you an idea. If you're the big 12 and you're only playing 10, if you're the sec and ACC, you're playing 11, I think you can get another game. And again, it might be a way to get you a team that's bowl eligible. It might be a way to just give a team a bowl game that isn't going to have a bowl game. So if you're if you're four and six TCU, man, play another game. It'd be kind of fun to be a bowl game for you too. Or if you're, let's see here, five and five West Virginia. Sorry, you get that extra game. You get a six win. You're bowl eligible too. Do you think there's any legs for other teams adopting this this season? There's no way you can do it in the future. I can't see, but. Could you do something else in other leagues on championship weekend? I don't think you'll see it this season. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who benefits from this, like as far as the individual schools go, because not not or as part from the school. I, I think the, the coaches would love it. The younger players would love it. I think the older players, you'll see a lot of opt outs, a lot of who cares. Um, but the coaches would love it. It means more practices, more reps, more game stuff. The young guys might get more opportunities, but the are the TV maybe the TV guys are hey whatever we'll take whatever college football we can get we don't care but the schools they're not going to make money I mean I get that it might be you know another home game but no one's having fans at that point or if they are it's going to be so little that they still might end up in the red for holding a game because of the expenses so Hmm. I'm wondering what the why the Big Ten decided on that like why? Why did they say, "Hey, we got it. We have to do this. This is a this is a net positive for the whole league if we do this." Yeah, and it's not like they'll have the stage themselves because other 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 championship games that weekend, or is that the only championship game that weekend? That's the only uh, one that weekend, right? Yeah, I think so. So actually, they will have the stage themselves. You're going to have a seven game showcase for the Big Ten. That's kind of cool. Um, you can make a Big Ten weekend, all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can have fun with that too. Um, TV is interesting. They're going to get seven more games. I guess six more games. Oh, correction. So, it's. I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but no, it's it's December 19th, and I believe now that the UVA Virginia Tech game has been moved again. Uh, it was moved. Uh, I can't remember if it was last night or early this this Friday morning to December 12th. Then, oh yeah, the UVA or the ACC championship game. You know, previously was December 12th or December 19th. Well, now it's December 19th if they're going to be playing games, hmm. um, December 12th. So. They won't even have the uh, spotlight to themselves that weekend. So that doesn't do it. I guess you have a risk of maybe you lose a game during the season and you can make it up in the back end. It's it's TV might be good. Like I said, you're going to get six more games. And we mentioned this one or two podcasts ago, just in the Big 12, that's $400,000 a school. So I, mean, I imagine there's a similar income potential for the schools that they might want it back. So if you get six times 400000 hypothetically, two and a half, two point four million. That's not a bad paycheck for the entire conference there. Um, I don't know what it would be because there's 14 teams. The math is a little different, obviously, and the contracts are different. But, again, you have to give the TV network so many games if you want to get a full payout. This gets you closer. That could be it. Um, I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of different explanations. And um, the other part about it, too, is that it gives other teams um, that you play strength of schedule points. And I think the Big 12 is going to have an argument about data points of getting into the playoff. And let's just say hypothetically it's Ohio State against Wisconsin and Ohio State beats Wisconsin. But also two of the teams that have beat 
have really good wins on that extra weekend. Um, hypothetically here, Michigan and I don't know who they play. Michigan, Nebraska, let's say, right? All of a sudden, their strength of schedule is better, and maybe they have a really good argument for being in the four in the playoff there. So everything helps, I guess, if you're in the Big 12 or Big 10 situation right now, too. Um, flip it to this. What do you think about their inclusion in the playoff, the polls, the postseason? I mean, it's definitely going to happen. The college football playoffs definitely going to include them. Yeah, um, maybe so. <laughs> I, they're not. Like, I, I, I love the argument that it might not happen. Right. Like, it, it's there's no question about it. I think obviously, if you're there, is that sense of no, 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 no. You had your chance. Get out of here. You guys try to screw everything up. You're out. But that's not how it's going to work. That's not how it's going to work. They're going to be in. They're going to get voted in. I think, uh, you know, the Associated Press has already said that they're going to um, likely include them even before they start playing. Uh, once their schedules get set, I believe they'll be eligible to be voted for. So expect to see them back in the polls in a couple weeks and expect to see them in bowl games, expect to see them in New York Six, expect them, well, assuming Ohio State is what we think they are, expect to see them in the college football playoff too. Hmm. Hmm. I don't see a way around it. Again, it just it just makes sense. But I think your argument is going to be if Ohio State's nine and zero, and a team is a team in the ACC is I don't know ten and one. How much of a difference is that? Do I data, wonder. Do data points only matter if uh, it's the Big Twelve? Yes. Is that what you're saying? That's a bylaw. <laughs> I just think it's going to be an interesting debate, and that's probably not something they can avoid and they better find a way to parse it out now and knowing, knowing the way this thing is gone, they won't, but like, you're going to have very different resumes and it's not supposed to happen that way, but you really can't do anything. So maybe just everything, everything this year is different too. So um, do you think the PAC 12 gets in and why wasn't the PAC 12 first? They just perpetually an afterthought. This might upset everybody on the left side of the Rocky mountains, but do we care? Honestly, I mean, I think like not to say that the Pac-12 is irrelevant, but I for everything that the Big Ten has done and said and flip flopped and tried to shield people from getting answers and lied to their coaches and players. And, and that's all terrible. At least they made their own freaking decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pac-12 is nothing more than just a lapdog for the Big Ten. They were sitting there just waiting for the Big Ten to say football is canceled and and we'll do whatever you say. It doesn't matter. And now, you know, and then within 12 hours of the Big Ten saying they're back, Pac-12 might be back. And they're fighting with their local lawmakers to see if they can get back. And for the sake of their survival, they better get back. Because if they miss out on this season and everybody else plays, because, I mean, we're even seeing – the Mac might likely coming back, Mountain West likely coming back. They're already, you know, lagging behind in TV revenue, relevance, everything. And if they can't make it in, if they miss this whole season because of local laws or because they just kept following suit with the Big Ten and then just got left behind, I'm not sure there's a way to come back from that. Or it's going to take a while. Clay, Clay Helton has an undefeated season on the line here. <laughs> he has no losses right now. He'll have no losses in November. He'll be able to take that on the recruiting trail. So a lot of him, a lot invested here. I'm trying to think of the best teams in the Pac-12. I know Oregon's supposed to be good. 
and Utah's been pretty stable. Utah's, I think, top 25-ish, yeah. U- USC, and then after that, like, you're, I know the bottom is going to be the bottom there, so I don't know. And, and I wonder how much cloud teams have, I don't know, in those, in those states where they're kind of bigger than some of the Midwestern states and the politics are a little bit more stringent out there, I think. Um, like, all of Los Angeles is not allowed outside for a long, long time, and I wonder if, like, the government there is going to let this go, but I saw certainly some some parsing of policy yesterday, Thursday, about what was said and what was actually written, and there might be ways around this. So um, they also have fires to deal with out there in some of the states and some of the parts of the country that are um, affected by that and are trying to play football right now, too. So that might not be front burner, but... Man, we didn't think we were having these conversations. It's funny. I, I keep saying this from the very beginning, months and months and months ago, how quickly things change and how hard it is to keep track of stuff. And this is this is like a whiplash twist, and I barely even blinked on this, which means I'm just conditioned to being um, inundated with like major headlines and major revelations, and they don't even hit me anymore, too. Um, Segway. Um, major changes. Our 70-person travel roster, you threatened to come back to this at some point, and I believe essentially laugh at my picks. But we also said that we'd have a better idea about who they might travel with when they actually do get to travel. Sure enough, one game in, and we definitely have some bump outs and some new names on our list. Personnel-wise, transfers are a big one, but there's also some players who are up higher than we thought and players who maybe aren't where we thought they would be. That's going to affect our list. We'll publish that here, but I don't know. What did you learn first game and then some of the the wake of the game and the comments that coaches and players made and the things that have been written and talked about since then about not just the 70, I guess that's the point, but just the roster and, and, and some individuals. I think the big thing is freshmen were a little further along than I thought. I mean, I, I, we discussed obviously a couple of those guys. We talked about how Reese Smith was going to be on the roster and how he's going to travel, how he was involved in all the special teams. We talked about Zach Frazier being there. We talked about Akeem Mesador and so on. And, but Sam Brown, I think I didn't even have, I think I had him as my replacement if Dobson, and when I say not eligible, we're talking about not getting a waiver because we did have some if-then kind of statements with some of these mm-hmm. transfers. And, and for now, I think we just got to consider all of them out, uh, Brand, Dobson, Young, and Hubbard. I think we have to consider them out until further notice at this point. But I believe Brown was my if 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 Hobbs Dobson's out, then Brown is in. Um, he's in. It's not even close. It's right. Brown is like top four or five right now of of all the wide receivers. And I think I had eleven on there, and, and Brown was number twelve mm-hmm. or something something along those lines, or ten out of eleven, something like that. Just crazy that he's actually top five already. And then. On the other side of the ball, or on the offensive line, Jordan White, and we kind of pointed this out. We did this first podcast, what, on a Monday or a Tuesday? And then on Thursday night, Neil Brown was doing his radio show, and he casually mentions Jordan White being in the mix at right guard. And we, I mean, I, I didn't even, I listed 10 linemen traveling then listed another four or five underneath that I considered mm-hmm. and white was not even among those. I don't even think we said his name on that entire podcast. And he is, he might be number seven, number eight, mm-hmm. something like that. Like it, it's remarkable. They played 24 freshmen and 10 of them were two freshmen. That's, 
that's amazing. <laughs> like started in a couple too, and, and I think got good action out of some of them too. Um, we we know the major names, obviously Frazier, Brown, uh, Brandon Yates is a freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. Those are three that started and played a lot. Um, but also guys who I, I think gave him good enough stuff that maybe you can you can live with or at least include in future plans. Maybe Bill with White was one for sure. I kind of thought Charles Finley gave him, I don't know, maybe maybe a dozen snaps. I had to look, look back up, but he was out there and, and he put himself in it a little bit. I'm not sure he can block like you would expect O'Loughlin and Banks or even Knipper to block, but I kind of like the fact that you could you have some continuity of tight ends. He's only going to get bigger and better, you would think. Um, and then... Man, I miss this, and I, I feel bad kind of giving you credit for credit for it. But I liked what I saw out of Torres Simmons. Like he was he was slick moving around, and I don't I don't know if he knows what he's doing, but he kind of has himself in the right area. It seems like again, small sample, but that seemed like it was good. Um, I, I think there's a lot to work with there too that that you can make things function. Um, and then Porter Porter looked like he belonged, and and I think he was out there in the one it was fourteen nothing. So third series he was out there, I think, and otherwise didn't notice him which is pretty good that's a bad offense bad quarterback good talent receiver i think at least relative to that level uconn transfer right so certainly mm-hmm. a good player um <laughs> but but i thought i think you're right like when you figure out how goofy this offseason was and how players weren't on campus freshman i'm speaking of um how are they going to be prepared either the coaches did a really good job or they got a really nice blend of talent there it's probably a little bit of each but they certainly have some guys who are ready to go here that's good um let's go through quickly let's not name i guess who we have again, but like changes that we made. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Do you want to All start right, with so the, the transfers? Like, let's, let's just do that. Assume the transfers are out. Let's cross them out, and we're gonna have to add a name to the list. Uh, do you have your breaking news alarm? <laughs> because you don't want me. To, you don't want me to make noises. Go West ahead. Virginia is without Jaquay Hubbard on the offensive line, Zach Dobson as a slot receiver slash return person. Maybe throw him in the backfield. Who knows? And Scotty Young, who I don't know where he's going to go. I think that Arizona liked him more closer to the line of scrimmage. That maybe makes him a spear. But I think he was playing in the back end. Jamal would I would know better what he can do and what he's going to have him do. But certainly a guy who's going to play and help. Experience can do it. Um, we're counting them out. We're not going to put them in. How can we travel with them if we don't know they're eligible? So we're crossing them out. We're adding to that list. Bryce Brand is waiting on an eligibility waiver, too. So... I said before the game that one of the maybe surprising or overlooked headlines that we talked about after was that Bryce Brand got in and looked kind of feisty and made some plays and like, wow, that guy could really help this year. Didn't happen. Didn't play, didn't dress, um, poked around. There had been some mention that he was waiting on clearance. Um, yeah, he does not have a waiver yet, so he's not eligible to play. So four players, um, transfers that they hope to be impact players, they're waiting on. It's not West Virginia's fault. It's not their fault. Um, I don't know if things got started and people got pulled back. Who knows? But they don't have the green light yet. So we're going to take those four off. So we're going to have definitely four out and four new ones in. You had all four of them in, correct? I did, yes. Okay, so now they're out. So we'll we'll go through that here. Um, I did not change quarterback. I had three, kept three. You had Trent Jackson. Are you going to keep him? Uh, hey, let's let, let's let's swap with the, other th- the, the transfers because I, I have a – Let's say I'm, I'm let's oh. put it this way. I am swapping out obviously the four transfers that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. And I have two other guys that I am debating, and Trent Jackson is one of them. So I'd like to discuss those two at the end and get your thoughts. 
So do you have like who you'd swap in for the the transfers? Correct. Um, so I took out on the offensive line Hubbard because he's not playing, and I didn't have Jordan White in, so that's pretty Same. easy for me. Yeah. And I'll tell you this: um, if Hubbard's eligible because he's an offensive lineman and he hasn't had game reps yet, and the other guys have, I don't have him in for Oklahoma State. So he does not factor into this. He's out. White's in. White would have made it no matter what. And because of that, Hubbard, sorry, you're bumped out of this one. So I don't have him going. Um, the other three, with Brand being out, I threw in Torres Simmons. Okay. I already I already had Simmons. And so, oh, my God, this makes me sick to my stomach. But I'm adding my sixth specialist to my list. Um, I did not because I already had I already had Simmons, I already had Carr, I already had Watkins, so I don't feel the need to add in another Bandit or any other linebacker. Um, I had a slight, you know, hey, should I add Charlie Benton? Eh, I don't think so, but um, that leg is obviously involved. He's the kickoff guy. Period. Like he's there. So I had I didn't have him on my travel roster. I thought they would just try to split up uh, duties for kicking between. Um, Staley and Sumter, um, but now I have leg, and I couldn't replace him for McGee, even though McGee didn't play, because Neil Brown said after the game that McGee was going to be the punter for the entire second half. They just never punted, and so it sounds like they have plans for him as well. So I'm, I, I don't know if I can go less than six freaking specialists. Gotta do it, Chris. Everybody's doing it. This is the point now. They don't. They don't have seventy without six. It seems like it. So that's the state of their roster, and that's why those four are are important. Not because they're starters, but they fill spots that you, you kind of need. So I'm with you there. Um, so no Hubbard for you. What happens? Uh, I'm I'm Jordan White too. Okay, like I said, so we we didn't even mention him. So yeah, he's in for me. All right. So no brand. I put in Simmons. No brand. You already had Simmons. So I went Casey Legg, who okay. you already had, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, no Dobson. I did not have Randy Fields. Randy Fields was on the field for the first action of the season. He was on a couple special teams. I think he got into receiver as well. Um, I put him in because it seems like that they have purpose for him. So he makes it. Uh, if no Dobson, then what? Sam Brown. I had he was. I had Brown as my first receiver off and had Brown as my replacement for Dobson when we discussed this the first time around. So um, Brown is obviously higher than first replacement. So okay. he's definitely in. Brown makes it for me before we get to those four, but that's by the way, they're both going to get on there. Um, and no young. I put in Naeem Muhammad because same. safety and the guy who's on a lot of special teams and he can play spear too. Same, same, same. Okay. Yep. Uh, other additions for you, um, I'll go through. I took out a various Sparrow because I might have been way wrong on that. I do find it interesting that he was in uniform and Brown said that he's eligible and ready to go. There had been some questions about, I don't want to get into his situation, but you know, would he be good to go? Would he be accepted, cleared, so on and so forth? Hey, he's here. That's fine. Um, and again, I heard he was very good at kickoff return. He may have a chance later on, but man, didn't play in that first one, didn't get a kickoff return in the first one can't showcase against EKU. I have a hard time believing you're going to be in the thinking for a while. So took him out. Um, I do think you got to have four. Uh, it seems like Lorenzo Dorr is, is in, at least for the time being. And he plays in special teams, receivers. Um, I just added two. I took Brown because it was obvious. But again, Fields, Dobson, swapped, went over the Hubbard-White deal. Um, 
I also added Finley because I had room. I'll get away. I'll get to that with a guy I took out. But I like what Finley did. And again, four tight ends is fine. Can Knipper play a tight end? Kind of did. But if you have stuff that you want to use in the receiving game, I don't think he helps you. Finley has a better chance. Um, offensively for you, what did you swap in, swap out? So I had a long debate about what to do because I wanted to get I, – I debated Knipper and taking out Trent. I want to move forward with it because I think they feel comfortable with Green as the guy that can help signal everything in, um, and they don't really need Jackson for fourth quarterback. Um, I did debate that because, like you said, it, it Knipper was great blocking, but – We've also seen in the past that Michael Laughlin is great at blocking. And if my, and, and Michael Laughlin and TJ Banks were both uh, ruled or were suspended for the game. So if they're not suspended and they're playing, how much is Knipper going to be used? So I, I went back and forth on that, whether to go Knipper. Um, I, I, I took Jackson off completely, but I debated between Knipper and Lorenzo Dorr. And... I don't I'm not sure they need a fourth running back, but I think I want to go door because he is involved on more special teams and I'm not sure how much Knipper is going to get in if if O'Laughlin and Banks are healthy and ready to go. Can we go over um a Sam Brown stat that I wrote I'm going to write about for the weekend? Go. 40 catches, 11 touchdowns. 39 carries, 5 touchdowns. Two fumble recoveries, two intercept, four interceptions. I'm sorry, two touchdowns. Um, he averaged 18.2 yards a catch, 7.9 yards per carry, 13.2 yards per touch on offense, and then on offense or defense, he scored once every five times he got his hands on the ball. Hmm. What were we thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I loved everything I liked about him that I saw on highlights and what I heard up to the point that Jared Parker said that he was going to be, you know, the best player ever. I think that's what he said, at least. My memory's hazy. And then I like the fact that he can move around, I think. It just seems like a guy who can get the ball on screens and reverses. I just think it's going to grow. I, I feel I feel ridiculous for not having him in the initial list. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, I have Door and Knipper both in, for the record. Um, I, I forgot that I was removing somebody on defense uh, to Corey Turner, who I originally had on my list. But he is not going to be on my list moving forward. To Corey Turner, or also known as who, right. when you ask about him nowadays. Mm -hmm. So let that <laughs> speak for itself there. Defensive line, um, we definitely have some answers now, including what happened to Sean Martin. Um, he was, I shouldn't say left out, he was forced out. He had to isolate, what's the word, quarantine, I guess, because of exposure to someone who tested positive. Um, they said he's fine, he's healthy, but he wasn't allowed to play. So he did not play. He's good. Um, I didn't take anybody out, but I did not have Linnell Carr. That's just an extra defensive lineman there. And I think that over time, you might see him leapfrog someone like Tavis Lee, for example, too. So I just I like Carr's chances right now. I think he's going to be fine. Linebacker had to take out Bryce Brand, mentioned Torres Simmons. I also took out Eddie Watkins. Um, didn't play, didn't dress according to their roster. Um, I'm not sure, but they said they wanted to play everybody that did play. So if he didn't play, what does that mean? Didn't make any changes at corner except putting uh, Tavian Mayo at safety and then didn't have Scotty Young added Nia Muhammad. So not a lot of changes there except 
um, Brand and Watkins. I missed on those two because I didn't know one wasn't eligible and I didn't know one wasn't going to play. So this is a little bit of a crossover for me because I didn't find a one-to-one swap of taking a guy out on defense. Because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I took out Eddie Watkins. And then back on the other side of the ball, so I'm, I'm trying to remember here. Do you now have four tight ends on your roster? I have three and Knipper. Okay, same. That's what I'm checking because I, I took out Eddie Watkins and put in Charles Finley. Um, again, not a one-for-one swap, but I don't see another bandit that I yeah. want to put in. I feel comfortable with what I already got. So, yeah, Eddie Watkins out, Charles Finley in, and I now have yeah all three tight ends plus Knipper. I think you could do that. I mean, again, once you're getting to these last final spots, it's who's the best guy to help you, I think, at that point. And it seems yeah. like you're on the right the right page there. Kemper played a bunch of special teams, too. He can run down and tackle. He can block. I don't think that's a bad idea. Uh, good body on the kickoff return, too, and they need help there. So um, that's fair. Um, and that was it for your defense? Uh, to Corey Turner was out, but I mentioned him. I replaced him with Jackson Knipper. Those are the only changes I made. Okay. Um, oh, well, other than Scotty Young being out. Uh, and Bryce Brand being out, which we discussed with the, the transfers. And then I have two kickers, two punters, and two long snappers. Um, McGee would be one I'm, I'm curious about. But again, if I take him out, I don't know who I'm putting in. Um, and again, it seems like it's a weird thing when you got a guy like Sumter who can do both. I think that they think like can punt if it was an emergency situation. But I'd rather have McGee in that emergency situation. Then again, if you're down there on your third punter, things are screwed anyways. What does it matter? But. I don't really have a reason not to have him right now. If I'm I'm throwing some walk-on defensive back or some walk-on, you know, receiver in there, um, I don't know. It doesn't really make a difference at that point to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I had the same debate about whether to, when I was desperately, desperately trying not to put six specialists on my travel roster, but <laughs> I, I I went back and looked. You know, I was trying to think of just like you said, if you're taking him out. Who are you putting in? Like, am I putting in, let's say, Tyler Connolly or Zach Davis? You know, my 11th or 12th offensive lineman. I don't think that's necessary. I think I'm going to get to my third punter or maybe maybe he's my second, you know, kickoff specialist. I think I'm getting to him uh, before I'm getting to my 11th or 12th offensive lineman. So then my only real debate was, am I taking him out and putting in because looking at, at, at who played, you're, for those who don't know, Mike puts together the who started, who dressed, who played thing after every game. It's very useful for things like this. I'm looking at specifically defensive linemen, or, or not defensive linemen, excuse me, defensive backs or linebackers that maybe played on special teams, guys that might be starting on multiple special teams. Like, am I taking them out and putting in uh, Quay Mosby? Am I taking them out and putting in... Uh, this is offense, but downtown Freddie Brown or uptown Freddie Brown, which one I can't remember which one he is. Like it might, mm-hmm. if those guys start on special teams, yeah, maybe it makes sense to swap one of those in for McGee, but I'm, I'm not sure that's the case. I think you're going to see spots 68, 69, 70. I think you're going to see them bounce around quite a bit for special teams, um, for depth at a position. So your, your top 60, let's say are probably in cement those final 10, you know, they may fluctuate, but certainly what you need that last week or for that week, those last three spots are going to be probably flexible to here. Um, then I have this. If el- if Brand's eligible, if Dobson's eligible, if Hubbard's eligible, if Young is eligible, who comes out? Um, I don't know if you did this or not, but again, this is just kind of thinking. And again, it's not one for one. So hypothetically, um, if Brand's eligible, I don't need Finley. Mm-hmm. I don't need Fields. 
I might not need Tavis Lee. Those are like my three guys who are on the chopping block, so to speak. Lee, I just don't know what to do with there. I think the car maybe has drawn even with him or, or, or maybe is ahead of him. I don't know. And they have a number of people on the defensive line. You could easily make an argument for uh, McGee leg. I don't know. Or someone like that. That's kind of extra at one of those positions. Muhammad, for example. Um, I don't know. But like, I would think that Finley fields and Lee slash whomever, those are kind of people that if one person comes in brand Dobson young, one of those three would go. And if multiple people come in, multiple people go out, those would be my candidates. And again, just right now, if Hubbard's eligible, I don't think he gets in right now. He's practiced. He's been their backup left guard. I don't want my backup left guard in the field. I want committer on the field as much as possible. And I think he can make it work other ways. So uh, since I know people are just enthralled with who we think should be the ninth and 10th and 11th offensive lineman, let me ask you this. Hubbard's eligible and we get to the second travel game. Try to pretend like not much has changed, no injuries or anything like that. Nobody's played um, as far as that ninth, 10th, 11th spot. Are we now talking about Hubbard replacing potentially Parker Moore instead of Jordan White? Playing time or on the travel squad? Either or. Is your answer different? I'm okay. I'm okay going with eleven guys, eleven offensive okay. linemen. Or okay. Next run. That's, so that's you're, you're swapping out somewhere else. Okay. A Finley, a Fields, a Lee, someone like that. Yeah, I'd make room for him. I would. Okay. I'd, I'd much rather have more than not enough for that. You, like you'd rather get caught with it than without it. So somewhere along the lines, we have somebody different. I'm not sure who. We'll have to see this in the written version because I don't have Tavis Lee on my roster, and I have seventy. So we have somebody different. I'm doing the math in my head again, but I'm pretty sure I counted the 70. I had to barf my toes a couple times, but it made it work. Uh, last one, and we'll go from here. Um, okay. Weird recruiting time right now, too. Um, ordinarily, you would find some coaches at a junior college game last night, a couple more headed to a college game, excuse me, a high school game tonight, just because there's no college game this weekend, but you can't do that. Um, Brown was asked about that this week, what their plan is. Are they using any of the the streams and the feeds and the on demand that they can use? You could you could subscribe to whatever service you want from a high school or a conference. I've seen that they actually provide them. And you could live stream games and you can do VOD and catch it Saturday morning if you wanted to. But there's ways to keep keep up on players and have something to talk about. Um, they actually are. It sounds like looking at just workouts and practice film. Didn't didn't say that he had done anything with uh, like max preps to get live feeds from games or anything like that. Doesn't surprise me. Um, state of recruiting right now. Very weird, Chris, how much can they get done? How much can they accomplish? But uh, those wondering, yeah, they're definitely taking advantage of that streaming situation. I know for a fact, they've at least done the European one, the one that the uh, PPI recruits put on the same place, yeah. the same group that uh, West Virginia got a couple commits from uh, Victor Wickstrom, Jay Rowe, Favaris and Edward Bastiernan. Um, so th they've definitely done that. I imagine they've probably done a couple others. I know there's, I just got contacted by one that's coming out of Virginia called Infinity Elite uh, Football Camp. They've been doing it and streaming those as well. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the staff is doing it. it. It's, it is a busy and strange time and they've been staying pretty like, They've been staying on top of it, and they've done it in a very interesting way. I, I think 
this is the most involved I've seen. Involved is a bad word because the, the the previous recruiting coordinators and director of player personnel, those guys were were very involved, uh, very much involved. They initiated a lot of contact and um, and talked to the guys a lot. Were the, the main point of contact, especially during the season. But uh, I'm saying it's because it's a different time. They're a little more involved than those guys were because now there's virtual visits, which obviously you didn't really do before because guys would just actually come visit the campus instead. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of these virtual visits, there's there, and there has been a half dozen or more already this week. Um, they're doing them with guys on the staff, but not the coaches, and then following up with the coaches afterwards or beforehand and, and discussing their recruitment more, maybe getting offers. You know, we're seeing them do um, – do these these virtual visits with Trey Nair, defensive recruiting coordinator, Scott Gasper, the offensive recruiting coordinator, Coleman Barnes, who works in the athletic department, works for the football team, uh, Katie Gusto, Gusto. I'm sorry, again, I still have not figured out how to say that correctly. <laughs> but uh, and a lot of those staffers, a lot of those staffers that specialize in recruiting and the facilities and talking about those types of things and. I think that's what impresses me most is because I've been catching up with these recruits and they're like, wow, they did an amazing job telling me about the family, showing me these videos, showing me these facilities and these plans and these blueprints. By the way, we got to get our hands out. Can we get our hands on those blueprints, Mike? Can we FOIA that? Or is that a sore subject right now? Are you going to trigger me? (laughs) (laughs) No, but... uh, because you know they've been talking about the new learning centers, the blueprint, the, the blueprints for the new learning centers, the locker rooms, everything else, and because that has to be incredibly frustrating for the staff. Because that new, the new locker rooms, er, the whole redesign in the Puskar Center, and then not to be able to show it off in person, that sucks. Because that's that that's a big part of recruiting. Um, you know the arms race that everybody talks about. That is a big part of recruiting, and then you can't even show it off. So it sounds like the, the recruiting department is really putting forth the effort and really making the most of a bad situation and, and, and leaving a lasting impression on these recruits. The, the question that I thought was interesting, everything you, you, everything you said is, is, is probably what everybody listening wants to hear. They're still doing their work and they can't be in the stands of the game or in the hallway to high school, but they can still make an impact. That's fine. And again, that kind of where their investment of the digital media really does pay off. But I'm curious, like he said, they're doing workouts and practices. They're, they're getting streams there. It's the next best thing. It's the, it's the best worst idea or the best worst option. Can, can you get a lot out of workout? I mean, are they doing like, is it like combine stuff? Or do you think they're watching like a high school practice on a Wednesday? What do you think they're getting out of this? Because that's something the NCAA is letting you do that you couldn't do before. You couldn't watch um, that type of footage of guys. You had to go in person. You can't go in person now. They give you kind of a workaround there, too. But I'm wondering how valuable that is. A lot of it's combine stuff. Um, I know that PPI recruits thing was. I know some of these other stuff is. Because when you watch film, film is film is going to be film, period. Like game film. It's going to look like what it looks like. And, it, and you as a coach need to know the quality of the competition so that you can, you know, gauge just how good that film actually is. So that hasn't changed. You're always watching film. You're you, the coaches, we're getting to a very key point here. 
Probably soon. I mean, it's a little tough because everybody's schedule is all messed up with everything going on and high school starting at different times, playing different number of games. But usually it's the four game mark of your season. The, the coaches tell every recruit, hey, at the, after the fourth game, I want your film. Send me your highlights after the fourth game of your season. That's when I want to check it out. So that hasn't changed. That's always been the same. But like you said, the, the combine aspect is the big difference here because during the summer, they invite these kids up to camp at West Virginia. They're like, hey, I've seen your film. I know you can score 20 touchdowns in a year. I know you can catch 100 passes. I know you can get 10 sacks. But I need you to come here to camp. I need you to stand here, and I need our guys to measure you and make sure you're actually 6'3". I need them to weigh you to see you're actually 250. I need you to run to see that you're not running a 5'4", 40. Uh, you know, I need I need 4'7", four, 4'6". Four, I, need, I need some legit speed. I need to see it myself. I need to time it myself. And I need to see the vertical. And that's why they do all the testing stuff. That's why every single recruiting camp at West Virginia starts out that way. And it's very important. You need to know those things. That's why the NFL does it. You need to know what you're working with see if you can mold it into an even better football player. And that's what's missing from this summer, from this kind of lost recruiting summer. And so a lot of these videos that they've been watching are exactly that guys running 40 times. And I'm sure that the guys streaming it are like, Hey, that guy just ran a four, four. But I also bet that West Virginia sitting there timing it kind of themselves from afar. They'll have their video people go over stuff too to like electronically time it and also make sure it's not doctored and sped up and yeah. anything like that to give a guy an extra nod. Uh, signing day for football is December 16th. There are games before and after that. Uh, I've been under the impression here and kind of had it cooperated this past this week. That's not going to change. The NCAA has been really consistent with that too. And there are many, many updates to the Q&A guide that the answer is simply no, they're not going to change the recruiting calendar. This is going to be sloppy, I guess. Do you think we'll see fewer or more signings as a result of the stuck-in-the-mud NCAA decision here? I think you're going to see fewer across the board nationally. I think you'll see fewer for West Virginia, but I think that'll be West Virginia's pick because, because this year doesn't count as anything as far as eligibility is concerned for the current players on the roster. That means you're kind of getting a double class. Um, all, all the kids that were 2020 are still going to be freshmen, the, the high schoolers that is, and all the guys in 2021 will still be basically, or will still be true freshmen in 2021. So you got a double class there. I think West Virginia is going to kind of, I don't want to say completely stop recruiting high school kids, but I think if you see more additions now, they might be leaning more towards the junior college guys because I asked Neil Brown about this specifically, like a month or two ago and i don't want to say he avoided my question but (laughs) i remember this he he just went into more of a hey we want to kind of make sure it's important to balance the classes and so he he kind of answered it while trying to avoid it um but that's important to know because you can't have 40 kids that are quote-unquote true freshmen in 2021 you can't so you're gonna have to go I think they're they're going to I don't think I know they're going to save some scholarships and use them on transfers uh, and junior college players, laid out guys, guys that they can slide right into the junior and senior class 
for next year so that they can try to balance out those classes just like Neil Brown said. It's going to be a bonanza for recruiting, too. And if you're a school like West Virginia that for years and years before Brown through the Dana era, you were kind of a haven for transfers. There are so many guys who are going to be done with their degree and who are going to want to grad transfer and go somewhere. This situation with unlimited resources for players, I'm not sure the Lions is going to let Brown bring in like a dozen transfers, but six, seven good players who can help that he has a relationship with or his coaches know um, that's going to be good too. And and you're right. Like you still got to get to, yeah, it has to logistically make work. So you're not paying years from now too, but um, keep a couple open. And my observation, Chris, I got to renew my recruiting guy membership, <laughs> but the concentration of talent in the core they have right now is pretty impressive. If they added no one else, if they added one or two players and they had a handful left over. That's still a pretty good situation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> hey, I, I, I can't answer your questions, Mike, until you send in your recruiting dues. Uh, we haven't got those since uh. last summer, so <laughs> you got to send in your dues if you want to stay on the recruiting on the recruiting beat. I thought COVID pushed the deadline back, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the F word. Let's finish talking about FOIAs. Um, I, I guess I stepped in this and I made a big deal out of it. I did not intend to. I don't care either, clearly. Um, but seven weeks and three days ago, they fired a football coach. Or excuse me, I guess eight weeks and three days ago, they fired a football coach or made him go mutually, whatever. And Vic Koenig's no longer here. I was told that day to send a public records request and you'll get either the report or findings a summary of the report that came from somebody in the university who told me to do that so i did um a week later we get a thing saying we're gonna need more time we have an inordinate number of requests and at that point we saw some shade but also said this is not unusual we've been getting this for weeks and weeks and weeks chris you had an issue with um contracts i had a ultimately absurd issue with another request for email that i'll get to in a minute um, but they're backlogged and they're having a hard time. We've been dealing with that for, for weeks and weeks before that, so it wasn't a surprise. We were curious, though, why the date they wanted to return stuff was September 15th. That was seven weeks later. You're not dumb. If you're listening to this, you're probably smarter than you were 45 minutes ago, I hope. So the obvious thing here was stall, 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 and hope people forget about it. And then when that day comes, maybe you send something out and it's not that big of a deal. Maybe people have broken the news or reported on it. Maybe the blanks have been filled in and all they give you is what you already knew. Didn't happen. West Virginia decided to thumb their nose at everybody and say, you don't deserve to know this. And we're going to invoke some privacy protections for our student athletes and our players. And I think a lot of people thought that I and other people we're mad by this and that's wrong. I'm not mad about it. I anticipated it. Chris, you and I talked about this. We hoped, but we also understand what the rules are. They don't have to tell you anything private about the players and the coaches. Honestly, I would like to work for a place like that. That would protect my identity and keep things that I was told would be confidential, confidential. That would be great. I'm not sure it stands up the challenges that may be forthcoming. And I'm not sure that that's even the point here. <laughs> like, I don't need to know what players said, what, I would like to know why the Koning went away. I'd like to know what was discovered in general. I don't need identities of people, but I think you could do a summary of that. West Virginia's tactic here of just giving you nothing 
bothers me just because I like transparency and I like to tell stories. And there's a story here that has not been told because they have not been transparent. It's frustrating, but there's jabbing and jousting that goes along and we're just getting started here. Um, so, yeah, there's still avenues that I can pursue here. I don't really know or care if people are tired of this or not. You don't have to click it. You don't have to like it. But I think a lot of people are still curious as to what's going on and what happened and how do they get in this situation? And maybe more importantly, why won't they tell us and what are they hiding? Hiding might even be a wrong, the wrong word, but that's the appearance that they've given right now. Um, Chris, you kind of are my boss. Should I shut oh, up and type? Should I shut up and type or should I just kind of like play this out as long as I can? Or is this much ado about nothing? Uh, first off, make sure you uh, bleep out me just cussing there. <laughs> <laughs> but second, um, no, I like, you know, I, I haven't written the articles and stuff, but we talked about it. And it what's most frustrating about me is for me is like that first day, the day that Carrie Martin made the allegations that same day. I said, hey, I know everyone's going to freak out like both sides of whatever, however you view this all sides, because there, there is some nuance in here. But just don't freak out because everything, every single allegation can be corroborated or disputed by a third party some of it's even recorded and i was like just relax and everybody chill out because answers are actually going to happen this isn't going to be like some of those situations where only two people are involved and you're stuck with trying to you know decide who's telling the truth and who's lying so i was like we're gonna get answers it's gonna be fine and no we didn't we're not at all and and you mentioned this in your in one of your stories, uh, I believe your most recent one, the the part about how it's not fair against forget us, forget me, forget you, Mike. Sorry. Forget the fans. No one. You know, uh, I believe it's all right to know, but forget all of us. Think about Carrie Martin and Vic Coning here because either or or both of them, because the only things we know quote unquote, things we know about what's going on here are um, for, as far as Carrie's concerned, you know, he made his allegations and the only things we know is that at least two of them, the fact, uh, the, the part with his high school coach, his high school coach openly refuted that the same day, openly on the record, refuted that entire story. And the fact that he said he told Neil Brown and Neil Brown refuted that, um, that's the only thing we know. You know, he made what like four or five allegations, and the only things we know is that two prominent, well-respected coaches refuted at least two of them. So if you're Kerry Martin, and then the school's just like, no, we're not going to talk about it anymore, and, and you, and, you know, and and your and your heart, you know that you know or you believe that everything you said was true, that's wildly unfair to Kerry Martin for the truth not to be out there if it's true. And on the flip side. If you're Vic Coning and you've just been accused of being a racist bigot and then you're kind of just get and, and the investigation actually cleared you, but you're still kind of sort of getting fired. By the way, I, I like the way that it was phrased in that uh, settlement agreement that he requested to be let go. Yeah, he, re he requested it like he made the request to get out, um, but you're basically being pushed out. That's unfair to you. If the investigation cleared Vic Coning and then you still have to just leave 
and go away and not talk about it, that's unfair to Vic. So one way or another, this is unfair to one of them. Again, forget me, forget you, forget the fans. This is unfair to somebody. And it would be nice to know who who's, you know, kind of getting screwed here. Yeah, I'm glad you you read that and circled that and made that point because that's that's all I care about here and all anybody should care about here too. Listen, people are going to get upset when the media makes a point about the actions of their beloved university. And we're in a situation these days where media bad and fake news, lamestream media, all that stuff. Um, we're not up to anything that's out of bounds here. That's why they have processes that we go through. And that's why we have to wait five days, seven weeks to get information. Um, I, I guarantee you that the people at the university, one, they know who I am because I'm not new at this and they understand that I'm going to go through these things and it's not a personal thing or whatever. And like, I object to what's going on because I'm on team media. Like I want to see over their wall and public records are public records. You'd have a hard time arguing with like having an argument with me, never mind winning it. I'm not even going to engage in the argument by saying this isn't our business. And again, it's not because like I think I deserve something or I want to get people to travel to our website and click and subscribe. It's not that. It's that this is a major, major thing that's part of a larger story in college sports this summer and that West Virginia has championed things like this. Um, you stand next to someone who stands up for something. What do they stand for here? We don't know. You can't be one and not the other. And this just looks weird because if a guy did something wrong, you don't pay him to go away. If a guy says, I want to go, you don't pay him 600 grand. So what happened? Did West Virginia say, I don't know, but the easiest way out of this mess is to make this guy go away and we'll just pay him. That's weird. I'm not sure anybody approves of that. Do they say, you know what? We think he's okay. We think this is overblown. We think we got a bad apple who spoke up on social media and we can fix this, but man, we just can't recruit with this coach anymore. I got to get him out of here. I don't think anybody wants that. And those are likely scenarios now that we assume and we don't know. And it's dangerous to assume when you can know what happened. So again, I don't need to know what the two dozen or so players who were interviewed said. I don't need to know if assistant coaches buried Vic or supported Vic. You can't tell me that West Virginia can't comment on this because Iowa and Utah did. They had similar parallel, ultimately worse situations, and they released the report. They did an executive summary. They told people what happened, and they protected privacy. You can't tell me that West Virginia can't do that when other schools do it. Um, and you can't say, well, the contract says this, they can't do it. You don't have to draw the contract that way. So don't tell me this, that they can't do it, and their hands are tied, and the rules are the rules. I know the rules. And there's a way that you can actually make this information accessible publicly. Um, what's going to happen now? Listen, they may win because they can put these roadblocks in front of me. And it just depends how litigious that I want to get. Do I want to sue? Do I want to get CBS, the lawyer, up and go after him and try to get some public records lawsuits going? No one's probably going to want to do that. I understand that. There's still avenues I can get. There's still holes I can poke in their arguments. You know, are is the student's involvement in an investigation, quote, educational records? I don't know. Can the invasion of privacy, can that pass the five-factor test from the, the state Supreme Court established in the late 80s? I don't know. We'll see. I can ask those questions. But um, don't think about this as like media mad. I'm upset. I'm getting stiff-armed. It's not what it's about. I don't care if I get it or not. Ultimately, I'm going to keep trying because we don't know what happened. Like This is one of the bigger stories that happened a long, long time. And a coach and a player and a graduate assistant who moved halfway across the country after he got demoted for some reason are just left hanging in the wind and everybody just kind of says, shh, 
everybody will forget about this. And to me, I have a hard time accepting that. So I'll go as far as I can on that. And if you like it or you don't, I don't know what to tell you. It'll ultimately end one day, but I don't know who's going to win this kind of tug of war. It's a test of wills, Mike. I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks, even if, uh, again, like you said, dude, lawyers and all that stuff. Is that, is that worth going down that rabbit hole? Not so sure about that, but I think it's something that, uh, I know it's something that we'll continue to, um, investigate. Um, obviously there are other people out there that have interests or information that would like it out there. Yes. I don't think it's, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that it's not over. Um, as, as much as some people would like it to be, it's not. And it's not going to be vindictive. Like, I don't, I don't know who's the bad guy and who's the good guy here. So I don't have an axe to grind this, nor does anybody involved. I just think the fact that like, you got, you got something in a pinata and you don't know what it is. So you just whack at it until you figure out what it is. And if someone ultimately takes the pinata down and goes home, Hey, the party's over. I get that. But I still got the big stick in my hand. So I'm going to keep swinging for as long as I can. Poetic. Well, don't don't strike out. Don't strike out. All right. You ready to wrap this up? We have to do some creative editing because <laughs> for some reason you swore in the middle at the end of this. Uh, I don't know if I can actually take that out, but we'll see. Maybe no one heard it, but uh, perhaps we'll discuss that next time. But that is all for this time. We'll be back, not with our Q&A mailbag on Monday, but the middle of next week. Um, until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will see you next time.